So great big good morning to everyone. It's wonderful to have you folks joining us, whether you're joining us live in our studio audience or from all over the place. It's wonderful to have you here. And, uh, you know, today, like, it was, it was funny. We were out doing a funeral in California, a couple of weddings, a bunch of different things going on here at New Church Live. We're an immediate to this building. So if I kind of look a little dazed, that's why. It's been a lot going on, a lot of good stuff going on. And, and uh, you know, we want to be talking today about this idea of a new creation, you know, how life will have its things. You know, this has been a very frenetic couple of weeks. It has its stuff. And how is it that we can start to see things in new ways? And what we're going to be talking about today, you know, I'm going to give you the punchline right out of the shoots, which is how do we learn to see a greater truth beyond current circumstances? A greater truth beyond current circumstances. Because if we stay in current circumstances, sometimes those are really good. A lot of times they're really challenging. We tend to get mired, but mired down. But can we look to something bigger? And, and I think this is something that, uh, you know, I want to come at it a little obliquely by looking at this question in terms of our children. What is your hope for them? What is your hope for them? What's your hope in terms of what you hope your children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, nieces, nephews, the neighbor's nice kid who delivers the paper, whatever it might be. What is, what is the truth? What is the thing that you would hope for them that they can come to see? What would that be? We'll be using these at different parts of the service. You can text me an answer at 215-740-3662. That's 215-740-3662. Now, a little review, when we, a couple weeks ago, before heading out to California, we took a look at this idea of fruits of the Spirit. The idea in the book Galatians, which is what we've been looking at, in the book Galatians, that there are these things called fruits of the Spirit. And Paul wrote this this letter to Galatians. It was a church in Galatia. And he said, these are the fruits of the Spirit. In other words, these are the things that grow over time with faith. And it's not only that they grow. The beautiful part, too, is that they're not only become like the byproduct or the product of a life where we really get in tune spiritually, but then it wraps back around itself and becomes a seed, becomes a planting for something else. And and these, I'll just read through them because they're beautiful. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And the idea that they they wrap around in a circle, they're feeding one another. And and this is really what a spiritual life is all about. I think it's really important to remember, if your spiritual life does not have an element of joy, a very large element of joy in it, there's a leak in there somewhere. And we need to look at this and remember that our job with these fruits of the Spirit, as with any fruit, is to cultivate it. And I just, I I don't want to overemphasize it, but I do. It really fascinates me that, you know, joy especially is just a topic I think a lot about. How how joy is not only the byproduct, but it also becomes the stance. It's not just this thing we receive like, oh, that was great, lots of joy. But it becomes this stance towards the world. This way of, of leaning in, as it were. Now, it is interesting, folks, within, within the book of Galatians, they're really clear. Paul is super clear about this idea of new creation. And he says, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. And there you could look at sort of rules around with circumcision nor uncircumcision. You can look around rules around religion. 
And he's saying, no, that's, the rules are never the point. The rules are never the point. The point always is about a new creation. Always is about a new thing. And as, as the musicians come out here for the first song, you know, think about that new creation. Think about the way that looks. And, and folks, it's, it's, I mean, the thing I'm going to try to come back to a number of times today is we're talking about a new creation here. We're not talking necessarily about new circumstances. We're talking about something in here. A newness that is beyond just novelty. A newness in this strange way is where this thing starts to move in our heart. It feels like newness. The reality is that's who we were always meant to be, so there's an oldness to the newness. But it really becomes this, this, this orientation towards life. A new creation being the stance that, just like joy, the stance that we take as we lean in. So friends, I want to welcome you to New Church Live. It's wonderful to have you here today. And yeah, it's just good to be back in the saddle again. So welcome, friends. Welcome to New Church Live. Good morning. So 
What a beautiful song. And, and I, love, I love that idea, like a new beginning, a new creation, really is this new start. And it's not a new start that's sort of devoid of all the circumstances of our life. No, we get to do this and practice this like where we are, right where we are today. Regardless, again, regardless of circumstances. This idea of this promise of newness is significant. I mean, our denomination sometimes, very often, is known as the new church. So, so even that's ensconced in our name. And, and this goes back. I mean, this whole idea of newness goes back, goes back, goes back thousands of years within the religious tradition. Isaiah 43. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? And I love that asked as a question because the answer is no, we don't. I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. That's Isaiah 43. Second Corinthians, now we're flipping into the, into the New Testament here. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. And Paul uses that language a lot of being in Christ. You know, we, we new church, we would use the language about being in the Lord and, and the Lord working through us as, you know, as humble, as humble servants. And folks, there's just, there's just such power there to that newness, to that newness of life. And again, I want to come back to say it's beyond just plain novelty. Even the whole idea, right, of, of the beginning and the end of the Bible, the, the whole idea of the Bible starts with the story of creation. Think about that. I mean, what's more new than, than creativity? And then it ends with this beautiful tie back, way back to the Garden of Eden. New Jerusalem coming right back to this concept of newness. Like newness is a new thing. It's not a new thing, I should say. Newness is this constant theme. And isn't it interesting, right, that most people don't think about faith as creating newness per se. They think of oftentimes as faith as something that can, that can save us from this dire outcome or that dire outcome. And sometimes it's very true. But this is not what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about this beautiful, life-giving newness. Now, I want to start by saying that there's, there's things that are definitely blocks. And here's a piece out of Christian New Church theology. Our self-absorption pushes God away, and we deflect and divert ourselves, and we deflect and divert to ourselves the common good, treating others as if they exist for our own sake. That's what will automatically get in the way. And I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go a deeper dive on that in a little bit and, and really look at some of the specifics because that will, get in, that will get in our way. If we really, really think that you know, the world is all about us, that it's all about me, myself, and I, if I'm really, really struggling with self-absorption, today we would probably use the word narcissism. If I really do that, it's hard to see anything new. Because instead of seeing everything new, we see everything as a threat. And that doesn't necessarily bring out the best of humanity. I mean, it's very common today if you watch TED Talks, you, you listen to podcasts, they'll talk about the, the lizard brain and how that gets activated. And that's true. That's, that's about the level we exist at if we're just totally self-absorbed. And it's interesting because one of the keys to getting out of it is having this idea of the common good, this idea that there's a goodness out there in the world that we are to serve. There's this humanity out there in the world that we are to serve, this thing we're to reach for. But if we're self-absorbed, all we're going to do is we're going to take that and just try to pull it right back into ourselves. You know, try to use it as something that, that makes us feel good versus, oh yeah, just how can, what can I do here? 
with no thought of reward. And, and that, I remember being a young guy and, and thinking, no thought of reward. Like, who can pull that off? Well, I think really good people do <laughs> all the time. I see people do really good things, and I'm thinking, there's no reward in that, per se. But there's moral joy there. And that moral joy, that sense of newness, so I work away from self-absorption, I work towards common good, I experience moral joy, that becomes one of the fruits of the Spirit, one of the byproducts, and then, and then here's the miracle part. Like, this is the part that just, words are gonna fail me again and again. That moral joy, folks, right, wraps right back around, and then that becomes the place from which we serve. It is very different to serve from a place of moral joy than self-absorption. And that's so much part of this newness, I think, I think that God's trying to ask us to consider. And, and it's not easy. It's, it's not something we do overnight. It's not about a guilt trip when we're self-absorbed. We certainly do have moments like that. But we can have kind of moments where we've made it all about us and, and giggle a little bit. This is a, a cartoon from the New Yorker magazine. And the cartoon, for those of you who are just listening online, a bunch of hens on nests, and one hen says, 20,000 eggs, but do they ever call? I like that. I like that. But do they ever call? You know, and even with parenting, you know, I'm at a point in my life where, where my kids are now adult children, right? <laughs> and it's this constant reminder of like, because I'll get into, wow, they haven't called me in a week. They didn't text me back, da, 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 all this stuff. And then this slow realization like, oh, I didn't either when I was that age. And so mom and dad, if you're watching, I'm sorry. That, that's so much the way life goes. And we have to be able to move beyond that and be able to have to get a sight. But, it, but it's a sight, it's, it's getting sight, folks, but it's the word, I, the word I wrote down here to try to explain it is the word unblocked. It's, it's about how do we remove something that's in the way of our sight so we can see more clearly. That, I think, is key. It's not about a new set of eyeballs, though you could talk about that. That happens sometimes clearly. But today we're looking at, yeah, just, just here's life, here are the circumstances of life, and how do I just sort of unblock my vision so I can see things in a new way? And what we start to see with that, folks, is a newness brought to all, brought to all things. Because as we walk through life, like literally, again, just pick moral joy, anything you want, you know, as, as we walk through life with that sense of newness, everything will start to look different. Everything just starts to look different. How, what a miracle that is. And, and it's wonderful to be around those people because it's wonderful to see their impact on communities and their impact on, on, on the world is, is profound. And this is where alignment fits in. I'm gonna step over here, folks. There is a truth beyond our circumstances. I think for many days, we, we, have to really, we have to really take time to reflect. What's the distance, I should do it this way here, what's the distance between my circumstances and the greater truths of life? My current circumstances, the greater truth of life. Sometimes they're very, very close. And maybe that's why I continually love, love, love doing weddings and baptisms, because when you do that, the, the, the greater truths and the current circumstances of life come right up against each other. But I think this, folks, I think as this gap gets greater and greater, 
as the, the greater truths of life in our current circumstances, as the distance grows and grows and grows, so does fear. So does anxiety. So does worry. And we get to the point where we're just living in the current circumstances of our life. Now, this is a little counterintuitive because we live in a culture that says, no, just live right where you are. Well, that's true, live where you are, of course. But do you really just want to constantly live in your life circumstances? Because some days they stink. And that distance, folks, as this distance grows, I think that's pretty accurate to say, yeah, I get more and more feared up. I imagine all of us feel more and more anxious. And even this, maybe even sometimes this happens, right? Maybe there's a fear and anxiety, and maybe as well, if the gap gets too great, there gets to be an inertia. Sort of a, meh, who cares? A nihilistic, a nothingness. Because this has become so distant from our current circumstances that we just don't see anymore. And I think that is something that our culture struggles with right now. We don't really like to talk much about those greater circumstances. All right, can I go on a 30-second rant here? I'm going, to go on it. I'm going to go on it anyway. So this, this was one that a few weeks ago just was like, oh, it's just, oh, don't make the distance that great, please. I was reading an article. I was talking about the epidemic of loneliness, how so many people feel lonely, and how church used to create that greater truth and that greater community. And now that church has sort of faded away from, from modern society, we're left with just a lot more anxious people. And this person was saying, well, we just need more community. This is a big article in the New York Times. We just need more community. We don't need God as part of that. And I felt like, oh, you're just missing it. You're just missing it. Because we have to tether our lives. We have to somehow see into that greater truth. And folks, that greater truth, again, it's about newness. And it's sort of shame on us if, if we can't convey that. If we can't convey this is about newness. This is about fullness of joy. This is about happiness. Most importantly, this isn't about perfection. And I say this a lot. This is all about meaning. Because if my circumstances of life are here and the greater truths of here, the more I, I, you could either look at it bringing circumstances to the greater truth or greater truth to circumstances, the more I close that gap, the more meaningful my life is, the more meaningful your life is. And, and, and that newness that comes from like, oh yeah, there's all kinds of meaning all over the place. I mean, that makes almost anything, almost anything, Exciting. That whole thing, I've said this quote many times, but we have people watching from all over. You probably haven't heard it before. Maybe you're tuning in for the first time. We walk into a room and wonder if we belong. Jesus walks into a room and loves what he finds there. I think that is a, that is a, a statement of, of utmost meaning there in terms of how that works. Now, folks, so much of life is trying to, again, how do we, how do we get things un, unblocked? And I want to give you sort of a high-level view and then, and then talk about examples of that. And, and one, one I was just, I mean, it's just a simple thing, but I was thinking about this perspective, you know, flying out to Florida, Florida, excuse me, California for, again, for, for Reverend Carl Parker's memorial service. 
And, uh, you know, flying out there, and there's this couple with two little, little kids. So they've got the baby carrier. They've got the stroller. They've got the diaper bag. They've got the this, the that, the other thing, and two little kids. And I'm thinking, they're going to be on this plane for six hours. And, you know, I'm a father of five. I've got two grandchildren, and I'm just beaming, thinking, this is so beautiful. And the parents are like, this is going to be a living hell. You got, you got to smile at that, right? Because, because there's life, right? And how do we start to see it? Again, start to see it a little differently. How do we unblock our vision so we can see something like that and really just celebrate it? Celebrate these parents, no doubt going out to see other parents or, or do something fun with those kids. But how do we learn to really celebrate that? And, and again, it's about unblocking. Now, an example to maybe, to maybe get us to understand this or to maybe get us to all think about it a little, little more deeply is beautiful painting, The Last Supper. Now, Last Supper, probably one of the most well-known paintings of all time by da Vinci. And, and I was listening to something on, on the restoration of this. And, and back in the 1700s, this painting was, also, was already by then in the 1700s, hundreds of years old. They were noticing that it was starting to fade. So what they did is these craftsmen came in in the 1700s and they put a lot of wax and a lot of resin and a lot of gook over it, thinking that would, would preserve it. Do you think that worked or not? <laughs> no, it did not work. It did not work. So, so much of the modern, the modern restoration of this painting was about stripping those layers away. And I thought, oh boy, that is so much life, right? Like life, we just get these layers on top of this beautiful painting that's underneath. And we think oftentimes, I imagine, or many of us think oftentimes, I imagine, that no, this newness, it's really about a new painting. Maybe times that is true. But a lot of the time, it's really about cleaning up the painting that is our lives. It's about taking away some of those layers so we can really see what's there, really see the beauty that's within all this. I think that's, that's what I want to talk about here. And that's where, again, folks, I think where we start to see, again, the distance between a greater truth and current circumstances I think as, as we get rid of those layers, the two start to come together. Because life, life is so full of meaning. And it's, it's not something that we, you know, I think of the word pilgrimage. You know, it's not something you have to take a pilgrimage over there or a pilgrimage over there or a pilgrimage over there to find it. No, it's, it's, it's all around. It's all around us at all times. Now, what would be some examples of, of where we might be able to do this, where we, where we see beyond current circumstances into a greater truth? And the, the way I was visualizing this, folks, is, is, again, think of the thing right there in front of you that's troubling, and then so, try to see through it to a greater truth. Like, what's the greater truth on the other side of that? Here, here's some examples, and I'm sure we could, we could think of many. I'm sure many of you could think up some as well. Imagine a couple, and they're struggling with the argument. Like, here's the argument, the current circumstances. What's the truth beyond that? Well, the greater truth is not that you're right and they're wrong. <laughs> Though that would be nice. The greater truth beyond all that 
is trying to create marriages, relationships, partnerships, whatever, whatever word you choose to use. But where it's like, oh yeah, how do, how do we create a thriving marriage? That's the question. Talking yesterday, uh, you know, beautiful dinner with some really close friends, many, many of whom are New Church Live connected people, and, and talking a bit about, yeah, you know what, in, in, in really successful relationships, there's a, yep, I love you, yep, you love me. And in this amazing way that's hard to put into words, there's a, I love us, and we love us. It's, it's looking through it. It's not just I, thou, as Ruber would say. It's this, it's this reaching way back beyond that to this greater truth of like, oh yeah, there's this marriage here that we're to serve. There's this relationship we're here to serve. I think with children, right? With, with, with teenagers, you know, you, you, look at, you look at a young adult, right? A, a, a teen, teen, I think about teenage years because they're so traumatic for so many of us. Um, the trauma of teenager dumb, right? And you think about how hard that is in that moment, that current circumstance. The being told, no, I don't want to go to the dance with you. The, the spilling something, the tripping over something, the, the saying the wrong thing, the losing our temper, any number of things, right? And, and again, even there, can we see beyond it to the greater truth, folks, that, that this is an angel in training, It's not necessarily helpful to always say, well, you definitely were wrong. It's to go, this is life. These are the mistakes we make. Some of these mistakes cost. And that's okay. Because we're here to learn. We're here to bring those greater truths down to our current life circumstances. And folks, can you just, can you just feel the breath there, right? Right? Yeah, here's the mistake, right? But, but God holds it all, never the bottom of the ninth. And I can just feel, if I'm open for it, I can just feel these greater truths just being brought to the current circumstances, which is that it's going to all work out somehow. Again, sometimes that somehow isn't until heaven. I want to be clear about that. But I really do know in my core it's all going to be Okay. Absolutely committed to that idea of it's all going to be okay. Other ones, thinking of folks. Imagine work. The mundaneness of work. Work can be extremely mundane much of the time. Even jobs as thrilling as being a pastor. There's just dishes and diapers to every single job. From a Christian New Church perspective, we're asked to always look beyond that, though, and to think, what's the usefulness here? What, can, what use can I perform? It's the ultimate in servant leadership. How can I help the greater good, the common good? Because this job, in the end, is not about just some self-fulfillment project for me. It's about a way I can sincerely, justly, faithfully serve the world. Very different. I think we can all see current circumstances, even the mundaneness of jobs, and how that gets brought, how the greater truths get brought right to it. Some other quick ones just to go over. Uncertainty, 
and wonder. You know, that whole thing of, well, what am I going to do now? Can switch in a second. That's the uncertainty. What am I going to do now to, yeah, what am I going to do now? What happens if it's just an open field? And the last one I want to close on, folks, temporal and eternal. Maybe one of the greatest truths, I mean, obviously we could list any number of them, you know, especially that love is the ultimate reality, is to remember there's this temporal, eternal thing. Your current circumstances, whatever they might be, are temporal. They're going to pass. They're going to pass. They're going to be here and they're going to go. But that eternal stuff is what's going to remain. And that's where having that greater truth, that God's eye is always beyond these temporal circumstances to something that is way beyond, that's much greater, that, that we may not even realize until the next life was there. I think about you know, something like back surgery. Now, I don't have back problems or anything, but, I, but certainly some of you have experienced this. Some of you have had surgery on your back. You know, it's, it's, there's nothing comfortable about having back surgery. That's a temporal circumstance to have that surgery. But the relief it can buy later on is huge. So we have the temporal peace and we're willing to do the trade-off because we know there's something greater out there. Now that's a very natural example, but I think so much of life is that. Yeah, I got these temporal circumstances. They just are what they are. Many days, please listen, they're extremely painful for most of us. And there is this greater truth. There is, there is this beauty. Had a beautiful little, you know, small little wedding for a New Church Live couple from Michigan yesterday. And we do this wedding and it's in this small little side chapel and they've put above the side chapel the beautiful words from Christmas, which is, which is God's wish, peace on earth, goodwill to humanity. That, that, that bit of goodwill just, it gets me every time. Think of that with the temporal, eternal divide, right? I have these circumstances that are just really hard. And I think all of us need to trust, right? That, yeah, I can be sitting in those hard things and I need to trust that, yeah, God's bringing goodwill to all of it. There is no force out there that's trying to take those circumstances and make them worse day by day. Now, can we get circumstances piling up? Absolutely. But there's not a force that's going to keep that going to eternity. There's going to be a force that is made up of peace. There is a force that's going to be made up of goodwill. There is a force that's going to be made up of love. There's going to be a force that is always going to call you home. It's always going to move you out of your current circumstances into these greater truths. Maybe that's the Holy Spirit, or at least one part of how the Holy Spirit works. David Foster Wallace wrote what is widely considered the best commencement address of all time, Kenyon College commencement address. You can Google it. And he 
he, one of the powerful parts of this commencement address that he talked about was he, he really honed in on this idea of we can find greater truths in current circumstances. And the whole world can become new, this new creation. Again, I'm not changing the circumstances. That's why I ask us all, I think, yep, it's not about me going out there and changing the circumstances. It's about a new way of looking at the circumstances. And this is what he wrote. It's brief, but he was, he was talking about, like, you can find God even in a grocery store line, is what he's talking about here. But most days, if you are aware enough to give yourself a choice, you can choose. He's talking about the people who are in line in front of him at the grocery store. You can choose to look differently at the dead-eyed, over-made-up lady who just screamed at her kid at the checkout line. Maybe she's not usually like this. Maybe she's been up three straight nights holding the hand of a husband who's dying of bone cancer. Or maybe this very lady is the low-wage clerk at the motor vehicle department who just yesterday helped your spouse resolve a horrific, infuriating red tape problem through some small act of bureaucratic kindness. Of course, none of this is likely, but it's also not impossible. It just depends on what you want to consider. If you're automatically sure, this is beautiful, if you're automatically sure that you know what reality is and you are operating on your default setting, then you, like me, probably won't consider any possibilities that are not annoying and miserable. And just a little aside, amazing how we can really become committed to being annoyed and miserable. But if you really learn to pay attention, then you will know there are other options. It will actually be within your power to experience a crowded, hot, slow, consumer hell type situation as not only meaningful, and listen to this word here, but sacred, on fire with the same force that made the stars, love, fellowship, the mystical oneness of all things deep down. Boy, that is well written. That, that folks, is such a beautiful statement of, of where we get to experience, you know, the simple word renewal. Not, nothing in life changes. The line doesn't move faster. The lady's not angry at her kids. That person who works at the DOV is still, like, slow. And it doesn't matter anymore. Because we've experienced a greater truth. And it's a greater truth that God wills to give to you. Because that's how God sees the world. So think about that. Think about how that can look in your life. When we come back, I just want to offer a few little closing remarks about ways maybe we can take some steps this week just to try to do that, to find that deep preciousness, to find that deep profoundness in life as it is where it is, life on life's terms.
it running down across the road Underneath the bridge where the water flows through So happy just to see you smile Underneath the sky blue On this new morning On this new morning On this new Can't you hear that motor turning? Automobile coming into style Coming down the road for a country mile or two So happy just to see a smile Underneath the sky of blue On this new Street. This must be the day that all of my dreams come true. So happy just to see a smile underneath the sky of blue on this new So, folks, you know, that, that renewal bed is it's just, it's incredibly profound, I find. The idea that we really do have within our power, that, and it's God's desire, is that we start to see it, whatever that it is, we start to see it everywhere. It was wonderful reading backstage, you know, the text messages we got back, and people talking about how much they want for their children, you know, to have a relationship with the Lord, and and, uh, you know, relationship with Jesus and, and as well just have this dream of kindness in their lives and really learn to treat each other as they would want to be treated. And one person wrote about, I hope, that, I hope that, you know, for the younger generation, they really come to, like, hear this inner voice. I want to talk about that for a minute because I, I think there really is this inner voice we can pay attention to we can listen to, where you can step into a grocery line and say, what's the voice telling me now? See, our minds, our minds, as is often said, it's a great servant, it's a terrible master. We don't wanna be all caught up in thought and thinking and wondering and you know, all this stuff going off in our heads. 
We want to be actually open and curious to life that's out there and to, to maybe seeing how these greater truths are coming into life because they are. They are. They're coming into life all over the place. A beautiful phrase that sometimes you'll hear in religious circles is inbreaking. Love that word. Not used that often <laughs> outside of spiritual context, but that that inbreaking of faith. In other words, it just we start to see it. Once we see it somewhere, we start over time to really start to see it everywhere. And it's way beyond ourselves. And it's and it's it's a view that is it's just it's hard to capture. But here's Paul's from a different word. This is not from Galatians, this is from 1 Corinthians 13. Beautiful line where I think he's trying to maybe talk about this in a poetic way. For now we see only as a reflection in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. And I think that's that where we really see the greater truths. Now I know, know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Oh, boy. Such powerful language. When we hit those genuine truths, when we literally, and I think that's why, again, Paul talks about in Christ, when we see those things and we step into those things and, and we, as says here, you know, where we can really see, now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known, where we see those greater truths. But then in, in the process of seeing it, we really know ourselves. We really get right-sized. And what does that feel like? Maybe freedom. Maybe freedom. I think, folks, that's why maybe these disciples, these people that followed Jesus after he died, I mean, they had every reason to run away, but maybe they just felt that. Maybe they had this sense of like, yeah, we're... I, I just have this freedom. I can't ever let that go. I can't unknow these things. I have seen it everywhere. And my job is to keep moving forward with it. Again, again, say it many times. Jesus consistently never says, worship me. He always says, follow me. And that following, that movement, that movement into life, that movement into those greater truths beyond our current circumstances, boy, what a place to be. So friends, I'm going to close it there. I want to thank you for joining us here at New Church Live today. I hope this helps you to have a week where you meet again, where you meet life on life's terms, and where maybe you even experience a long line in the grocery stores. How did you say it? A long line in the grocery store, and maybe even experience it with the sacred, on fire with the same force that made the stars, Love, fellowship, the mystical oneness of all things deep down. May we have that experience this week in the ordinariness of our lives. So thank you. What we're going to do now, friends, is now we're going to move into a prayer. We're going to offer a prayer, then we'll do the Lord's Prayer, and then we'll do a, a last closing blessing, and then just have a few little quiet moments, and then we'll have our final song. So our prayer. Lord, we thank you for your presence here today. Lord, we thank you for helping us to see you in all things, to see you through all things. 
to see that inbreaking of your spirit everywhere, a spirit that's already there, our job just to unblock, to take away those layers of wax and varnish and resin, and to allow the beautiful painting right behind those to shine through. Our painting, our life, our world with you. Thank you, Lord. Our Father who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, bring you peace and bring you home. Amen. Have a great week, friends.
Have a great week, everybody.